Thank you for listening to a Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at praisechapelkingman.com. Sometimes the computers, tech, how many know technology is good until it don't work? <laughs> and then it's just a gigantic boat anchor. <laughs> Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me over to Matthew, the book of Matthew. We're going to get to that here in just a minute. And um, you could go ahead and put the titles. There you go. Amen. I love seeing that. I, I always make these title screens, these, these things, because, man, I just, when I look at that, I go, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, that's why we did what we did here is because, you know what, the, the reality is we just want to celebrate. We want to celebrate Jesus, amen? You know, we want to celebrate what Christmas really is all about. You know, we don't want to get lost in the, in the fanfare. We want, to, we want to get lost in him. Can you say amen? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me over to Matthew chapter 1. And this is a, the beginning of a three-part series on Emmanuel, God with us. And we're going to use this portion of Scripture as our launching pad in each sermon. And the Bible says this, starting with verse number 18, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, and I'm reading from the NIV. It says, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with, it, with us. That is a powerful, powerful story. And I want to take some time this morning, not a lot of time, we're not going to belabor the point, but we're going to look at some significance today. See, if you go into our foyer, if you were to get up right now and go into the foyer, you're going to notice that in the foyer there is a Christmas tree. And underneath the Christmas tree there are a few wrapped boxes or gifts sitting under that tree. Now, I love that picture. I, I, I love that. I, how many love seeing a Christmas tree with lots of presents around it? Isn't that great? That it's always it always just kind of speaks to us. It it maybe it reminds us of us of days gone by where you know there was lots of kids and there was lots of presents and you know that's the great thing about having grandkids. I I, I love buying buying stuff for my grandkids. I I. I, you know, I always did this when I was, you know, when my kids were small at home and, and I'm still doing this with the grandkids, is I usually just buy what I want. You know what I mean? I, I love toys. I, I like dump trucks and bulldozers and diggers and I like, you know, Nerf guns and, you know, punching bags and I, I like Legos and Lincoln Logs and I like all of that. How, I like race cars and race car sets and Hot Wheels. I still, I'm 53 years old and I still like them. 
I don't know about you, and I know some of you older folks are going, oh, yeah, you're just, you know, now you like them too. You're just quiet about it. You're just quiet about it. I like it, and I like Christmas. I like looking at that. And, you know, if you go outside into our foyer and you look at our tree, you're going to find those boxes are decorated with all of the colors of Christmas. And they all, they have all, they all have the glitter and they, they have the uh, uh, shine that's associated with the holiday season. And we love that. But there's a problem. The problem with the boxes in the foyer is they're empty. So if anyone came in and thought, hey, look at all the loot, let's steal that. They ain't getting much. They're getting some shoe boxes with some wrapping paper on it. See, these boxes in the foyer, they contain all of the ceremonial aspects of Christmas. But they really don't have any meaning or any value. And, and the thing that I come to the conclusion of is that, in many ways, these packages reflect the reality of Christmas in our day and age. I want you to think about that. See, in, in our day and age, in this society, in this season of history, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance around Christmas, but oftentimes, in the end, it's just really empty. I'm not exactly sure why all that is. I have some thoughts, and I'm going to share them with you, but the reality is, is, is it ought not to be that way. Can you say Amen. What we are about to celebrate in, in about three weeks is probably one of the most significant days in the history of mankind. There's a few significant days. One was our creation thousands of years ago. Another one was our salvation when Jesus died on the cross and rose again. But I'm going to tell you, Christmas, though it's been caught up in all the fanfare, is a significant day. Can you say amen? Yeah. And if there was a single word that describes what I believe Christmas should be all about is the little word peace. Christmas should be about peace. Listen to these words in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse number 8. It says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, listen to this statement, Amen. glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Amen. Now I love that statement. And the reason that I love that statement is that's not just a Christmas statement. That is a declaration from heaven. It is a decree from heaven. How many know when a king makes a decree, it's a law? <clears throat> and then we are to declare the decree. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So God, through his angelic host, 
makes this decree, and he says, first, glory to God in the highest, and then he says emphatically, on earth, peace. You know, I think about the day that the disciples were in the storm in the boat, and when Jesus calmed the storm, he made a decree. He said, peace, be still. And guess what? Immediately the storm stopped. Well, here's God from heaven declaring at the birth of Christ, peace on earth, goodwill, God's favor toward men. But I wonder this morning how many of us are really feeling peaceful in this place. Christmas for most is probably one of the most stressful, chaotic, exhausting times of the year. Presents and parties and people and spending money we don't have for things people really don't want. (laughs) Tends to be all nonstop action filled with drama. Even as Christians who should know better struggle at this time of the year. We get kind of caught up, don't we? We get caught up in the the, the, the melee, if you'll, can I, if I can use a French word. Uh, yeah. We get caught up in that moment. And sometimes, even as Christians, we can forget what this is all about. And then Christia, or Christmas then becomes a time which should be filled with great joy and peace. It ends up being buried under a mound of chaos. The sad reality is that for many, we have lost the significance of Christmas. It's gotten buried. See, I, you know, the, there's, there's something that I've noticed about human beings, and I notice it about me, so I, I, I need you to understand that I, I'm not just lobbing some sort of judgment out towards you. The reality is, is in many of my sermons, oftentimes I find myself in that sermon, and I, I definitely find myself here, I, you know, there's something very curious about you and I, and that is that we have this uncanny ability to miss what's really important. Now, that reality probably shows up really well in children. You know, I, I'm amazed now that my, my sons and my daughter are older, they're adults, and we've had opportunity to travel around and do things together. And I'm always amazed at how that, when we do stuff like that, we'll go to places where we have been before many times when they were children, and they'll look at me and they'll go, wow, this is, I never knew this stuff was here. It's like, it's always been there. It was, it was there before you were born. And they'll go, well, I just, when I was a kid, I just didn't pay attention. And that is the problem, isn't it? We, sometimes we just don't pay attention. We get swept up. We, you know, have you ever been in a crowd where, you know, the crowd kind of carries you along? I, I remember the first time I went to Hong Kong, I, I was not prepared for the mass of humanity. We, we went, uh, Pastor Howard and I went, went on the subway. In, in Hong Kong, and, and Pastor Howard and I, we're not little guys. How many understand that? You know, when you look at a, a person from Hong Kong, they're, they're about this tall, and they're a way about what my leg weighs. You know, you know what I'm saying? And they're little people, and, and they get on the subway, and they'll put 
Well, let's say this. On an elevator that's rated for 15 people, there's 65 on there. And, I, and they're packing. I mean, they're pushing into It's like shoving more. And when that door begins to close, they just let it just. And I mean, they're packed. They're packed. And if you're not careful, you'll get swept away. If you're not paying attention, you're going to go where they go. And it was funny, when we got on the subway, Howard says, you, he, goes, he goes, look at, he goes, you're in for a treat because the mass is coming out and we're going in. And he says, you need to be a football player right now. He says, so you know what? Bow your head, tuck and go. And he says, you push your way in or else we ain't getting on. And I did, boy, I just got down and I just started moving. And Howard was behind me and he's pushing my back. He's, we're just pushing. We pushed our way right on that and we were right in the middle. And there's people, I mean, wow, were they close. I was wearing Chinese people. That's how close we were. It, I love, look at, it was one of the highlights of my life. I love Hong Kong. I, I love it. I love it being there. But if you're not careful, you'll get pulled right along in the, in the me melee if you don't pay attention. And I think sometimes that happens to us at Christmas. And I want to share a story with you that illustrates this. this. This story really caught my attention when I first read it. It says, several years ago, a man sat at Metro train station in Washington, D.C. and started to play the violin. It was a cold January morning, and he played six different Bach pieces for about 45 minutes. During that time, since it was rush hour, it was calculated that thousands of people went through the station, most of them on their way to work. Three minutes went by, and a middle-aged man noticed there was a musician playing. So he slowed his pace, and he stopped for a few minutes, and then hurried up to meet his schedule. A minute later, the violinist received his first dollar tip. A woman threw the money into the violin case without stopping and continued to walk. A few minutes later, someone leaned against the wall to listen to him, but the man looked at his watch and started to walk again. Clearly, he was late for work. The one who paid the most attention was a three-year-old boy. His mother tagged him, tagged him along, dragged him along, I should say, hurried, but the kid stopped and looked at the violinist. Finally, the mother pushed hard and the child continued to walk, turning his head all the time. This action was repeated by several other children. All the parents, without exception, forced them to move on. In the 45 minutes the musician played, only six people stopped and stayed for a while. About 20 gave, them, gave him money and continued to walk their normal pace. He collected $32. When he finished playing and silence took over, no one noticed it. No one applauded. There was no recognition. No one knew this was the violinist, Joshua Bell, who is one of the world's greatest violinists. Wow. He played one of the most intricate pieces that were ever written by Bach on a violin that was worth $3.5 million. Wow. Two days before his playing in the subway, Joshua Bell sold out at a theater in Boston, and the seats were, on average, $100 each. Now, here's the real story. Do Joshua Bell played incognito in the metro station 
because Washington, the Washington Post organized a social experiment about perception, about taste, and about priorities. And this is what they found. In a commonplace environment, at an inappropriate hour, they asked the question, do we perceive beauty? Do we stop to appreciate it? Do we recognize the talent in unexpected context? Do we have a moment to stop and listen to the one, one of the most best musicians in the world playing something on the, uh, a piece of one of the best musics ever written on what is a multi-million dollar instrument? And if we can't get that, they concluded, how much do we really miss? I thought about that. I thought, you know what? That is so much like Christianity. And look, at, I'm, I, I am not condemning or criticizing or being judgmental. I am simply pointing out that oftentimes we just get going with the flow. We get going. We get moving our daily busy lives. We get caught up. And we forget why we're alive. We forget what life is all about. We forget who's the one giving us the ability to breathe right now. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We get caught up in the moment and sometimes God gets put on the back shelf because God is a gentleman and he will not force himself on you. Come on. And so what happens is everything else is demanding our attention and God's standing there waiting. Yes. But we push him further and further back. And I don't think there is a greater example of this in Christianity that at Christmas time. Because we can pass by one of the most significant realities known to man at Christmas time, and that is Emmanuel, God with us. So this morning what I want to do is I want to share with you what I believe is truly, what is truly important and significant about Christmas. See, the significance of the birth of Christ in history is not that just merely a baby was born. The significance is that God became a baby. No, no, you didn't get it. God became a baby. God was in the crib. Are you hearing that? Why is that important? I'm glad you asked. That's what this is about. And I think the reason that we have lost the significance of this is because I think we haven't really understand or understood what the significant level of this event was in history. See, we are living in a time where <coughs> lots is being said about God and about Jesus and about Father God. Lots is being said about how he desires to be with us and how he loves us and longs to be there. It's, there's lots to be said about and being said about relationship with him. And we kind of take it as like, oh, yeah, I've heard all that before. You know, on our banner, we got relationship and family. And before we had identity and we had all of these things. And it's kind of like, you know, we see it so often. We just don't even know it's there anymore. And, and, and what can happen in Christianity is the reality of God with us can be lost because we don't understand how incredible of a miracle that was. Yeah. Think about this for a moment. 
When Jesus was born, he was living. He was born into Old Testament times. He, Jesus was under the law. And in those times, God was unapproachable. And on top of that, no one could see him. And if they did, they would die. Moses once had a conversation with God. And he asked him, he says, God, I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see who you are. And God says, okay, I'm going to show you. But what I have to do is I'm going to have to put you in this, this crack, in this rock. It's basically a small cave. And I'm going to have to put my hand over the door. And I'm going to pass by. And my glory is going to pass by. And when my glory gets all the way by, what's left over, the residue of my glory, I'll let you see the back end of that. And from that, his face glue, grew, grew, glue, glowed. It shined. It shined for a month. Because of that. He says, you can't, God spoke to him and said, you can't see my face. So for no man shall see me and live. Paul picks this whole sentiment up in the New Testament. And in 1 Timothy 6 Verses 15 and 16, it says, For at the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only Almighty God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and He alone can never die. Listen, and He lives in light so brilliant that no human can approach Him. No one has ever seen Him, nor ever will. To, be, to Him be honor and power forever. Amen. That should give us pause. That should, see, when we talk about God, when we talk about our Father God, we need to understand that He is the creator of the universe. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is high and lifted up. He lives in unapproachable light. The glory of His being is so bright that it will kill you if you see it. We need to understand that about our Father. It should give us pause, the unapproachableness of God. Yes, he is our gracious heavenly father, but he dwells in unapproachable light. That means that he transcends us. He is beyond us. In theology, there's a term that is used to capture this reality. God is often defined as the hidden God. And if God had not initiated revealing himself to a sinful and fallen world, if God had not chosen to step out of his holy habitation, mankind would have hopelessly lived and died without knowledge of him. And in our text, what we find in that story is our Father in heaven revealing his plans to bring redemption to a lost and dying world. An angel is sent to deliver a message to Mary. All of heaven is watching and waiting as that message is delivered. I could imagine that as Gabriel spoke, you could hear a pin drop in heaven. It really was an important day, that message. God was about to step out of an unapproachable light he was about to step out of eternity and step into humanity. Amen. What an amazing plan. But there was a day that was more important than that day. A day that would never be forgotten. It was a day not unlike any other day. It appeared like any other day. The sun shined. 
like any other day. The birds sang like any other day. But on this special day, something was going to take place that would be so significant that nothing could ever rival it. Nothing could ever compare to it. Because on that day, 2,000 years ago, 2,000 plus years ago, the unapproachable God became Emmanuel, God with us. You didn't even get it, did you? The God who lives in unapproachable light and one sight of him you're dead became Emmanuel, God with us. No, that's good news right there, bro. That's good news right there. The unapproachable God became Emmanuel, God with us. Listen, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now what you need to keep in mind here as you think about this verse is that there is a child born but the son is given. This is because the son existed before the child was born. The Virgin Mary gave birth to a child, but the child that Mary birthed existed before Mary ever got pregnant. The son was given. He was not born. The child was born. What does that mean? It means this. God became flesh. He was fully God Yet he was fully man. Listen to that. He was fully God, yet he was fully man. The unapproachable God, the one that lives in unapproachable light, became Emmanuel, God with us. The son of eternity became the son of man. He became flesh, destined to live his life, not from his divinity, but from his humanity. Why is that significant? See, you got to catch this. This is, this is the nuance in Christmas. Yes. Listen to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. It says, your attitude, or in the King James, it would say, this mind should be in you that was in Jesus, or this attitude should be the same that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God... He did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. And in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on a cross. Because of this, God raised him up to the heights of heaven and gave him a name that is above every other name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what is happening here? This son who is given becomes a child that is born. He becomes humanity. He is God. But in that moment, who this one that thought he was not wrong for him to be equal with God, empties himself, made himself nothing, and took on the form of a slave. 
He took on human form. He embraced humanity. The significance of Christmas is that God was born of the flesh, setting aside his divinity for a season. Embracing humanity, he lived as a man in right relationship with the Father and filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? To show us what we too can do if we would walk in right relationship with the Father, filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen to that. So for a moment, consider the significance of Christmas. The unapproachable God that lives in unapproachable light became Emmanuel, God with us. A son was given to be an everlasting example of what we are capable of. That's what Christmas is about. But it doesn't stop there. The New Testament opens up in the Gospels with Matthew and in Luke, introducing God as he invades humanity. How many know that <laughs> you got to love God when he comes up with a plan? God's fixing to take over the world, so he inv- invades the world with a baby. you got to love God. Probably not the plan that I would have came up with. I would have had a billion angels show up with Uzis because, hey, I'm God. And said, do I got your attention now? But good thing I'm not God, amen? I don't know that I would be a good one. In fact, I know that I would be a poor one. But God invades humanity. And in Hebrews, we witness a conversation between God the Father and Christ the Son. And they're talking about this very invasion. They're talking about what's going to happen and why they're doing it. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 7, that's not on the board. That's not the one. It says, therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Jesus is speaking. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book it's written of me to do your will, O God. Listen to that. Not only did Jesus come to do the will of the Father, but we got to ask ourselves, what was the Father's intent? And we find out that the Father's intent was his will was to reveal himself through Christ. See, that's what Christmas is about. The unapproachable God that lives in unapproachable light becomes Emmanuel, God with us, so that we can see him and know him and relate to him and have relationship with him to be his family, to walk in him. He didn't just come to do the will of the Father. He came to reveal who the Father was, to give us the opportunity once again to walk in relationship with him. And what did he have to do? He had to bridge the divide. He had to repair the breach. What was the breach? The breach was a thing called sin. Sin prevents us from being with him. And so Jesus took care of the sin problem so that we could know him and walk in him and be with him. Can you say amen? In Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, the Bible says, Christ is the visible image 
of the invisible God. What does that mean? What that means is, is when you see Jesus, you've seen the Father. That's what Jesus said. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Everything I do and say, I hear and see in my Father. I'm here to reveal who the Father is. Listen to Hebrews chapter 1. You can put that up now. Verses 1 through 4. It says, God, who at various times in various ways spoken times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. What is he saying? He says, I came to show you who the Father is. I came because I am the brightness of his glory. I am the express image of his person, and I uphold everything by my word. That's what Christmas is all about, church. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning the word was with God, and the word was, uh, uh, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the very essence of Christmas, church. It's not just that we have a Savior. That is in itself, head and shoulders, above all that we can think or ask. But friends, it's much more than a Savior. It's the fact that we can walk into the throne room of God, that we can commune with Him, we can live with Him, we can be with Him because He is Emmanuel, God with us. Can you say amen? Listen to this. Through Jesus, we can have intimacy with the Father. Walk in him, talk with him, and live with him. The greatest truth of Christianity is that the instant of your salvation, the moment of your salvation, when all of your sins were forgiven, instantly by the gracious work of Christ on the cross, we got all of God. No, no, you didn't get that. Come on, man. We got all of God. You know, the richest man in the world right now is Jeff Bezos, and they're estimating his wealth at about $150 billion. That was a couple months ago. I, I, I think it's gone up since there. Now, can you imagine, can you imagine waking up one day, knock on your door. It's a lawyer. The lawyer looks at you and says, I got some really wild news for you. What's that? Jeff Bezos has decided to give his estate to you. You would stand there. You would probably pass out. Once you got back out, you'd pass out again. You would run around the house like a chicken with his head cut off. You would go out and you would get a steak dinner just because you can. You'd have lobster and not even eat it. You'd go buy a new car. Do you know how much money $150 billion is? You can't spend it. If you spend, I forget what, I calculated it out. If you spend, I think it's like $10 million a day, 
You can't keep up with it. That's awesome. But that is a drop. That isn't even a drop. It's a molecule in the drop, in the bucket, compared to Emmanuel, God with us. Are you hearing that today? See, church, the reason we don't have more is because we don't believe there is more. It ain't in my notes, but I'm going there. Oh, church, he has got so much for us. God with us. Listen, Christmas is about the unapproachable God becoming Emmanuel, God with us. He's the example of what we are capable of. And now through Christ, it's not just God with us, it's God in us. Are you hearing me? And as I bring this to a close, I want you to consider just a couple, couple things. We're almost done. A baby was born and laid in a manger. And that baby was Jesus, the Christ. Emmanuel, God with us, the anointed one of God, the one who would take away the sins of the world, the one who would take away your sins and my sins, the one who would clean you and me spotless with the blood of Jesus, the one who would open the blind eyes and open deaf ears, the one by the touch of his hand the lame would walk, and by the sound of his voice the dead would raise, and in his presence all hell would tremble. That one, that one was born on Christmas. And in verse 23 of our text, it says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. What made that day so significant? Listen, I'm going to put it in the most practical terms I can. What made that day so significant was the, this was the first time since Adam and Eve walked on the face of the earth that God was once again with his children. And his promises to us that he'll never leave us or forsake us. He takes up residence within us. In the Old Testament, there was a very small number of people that had any firsthand experience with God. Now, anyone who will can be with him. Matthew Henry said it this way. He said, when we look into the light of creation, we see God is above us. When we look into the light of the law, we see God is against us. When we look into the light of Jesus, we see Emmanuel, God, with us. See, in the day and hour in which we live, there is such a profound loneliness. There's such a profound dysfunction. People are lost, alone, empty, and wanting. And you know what the sad reality is, church? That describes a lot of people in church. Are you hearing me? But because of Emmanuel, because of the significance of this day. Now listen, I'm not against parties. I'm not against Christmas trees and packages and wrapping paper. I'm going to have all of it. I'm not against cooking the, the Christmas ham or, in our case, the Christmas lasagna. I, I'm not against that. 
I'm not against those things, and I'm not against sharing and celebrating and having fun with one another. But church, that's nothing. It's empty without Christ. It's empty. And church, it's so easy to blow by that reality. Not realize the guy playing the violin is a master playing a $3.5 million violin because we're in a hurry. So you say, what do you, what do you say? I say this year, we slow down. Take some time to pause and say, you know what, God? You are Emmanuel. God with me. We're not alone. We're not alone. Can you say amen? Amen. Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we're so thankful, God, of your revelation. We're so thankful of your truth. We appreciate you today, and we love you, and we thank you, Jesus, that you did submit yourself to take on flesh, to take on humanity, to set aside your divinity for a season, to walk as a man, to talk as a man, to live as a man, but without sin, so that you could be an eternal sacrifice, so that you could cover our sin permanently, and not just cover it, but remove it altogether. Remove the very nature of it. And we thank you for that, Jesus. We thank you for coming, tempted in every way like we are, understanding us, knowing us, so that we can know you. We thank you, Jesus. And we ask that this season, this Christmas season, Lord, that you would give us our individual revelation of who you are and what you are. Lord, that we would have a revelation of Christmas. Lord, that it's not about a day, but it's about a moment in history. It was so significant, you split time in two. And Father, we thank you for that. Now, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I wonder if you're here today and you'd say, you know what, Pastor, I, I just don't know Jesus as my Savior. I'm not right with God. I've, I don't, I've never heard it on this level before. I've never heard it like this. But, man, there's something there that I want. I want Jesus. I want him in my life. I want him to change me and help me. I want to be saved. If that's you, would you, would you lift your hand all across this place? Lift it up if that's you today. Amen. I see that hand. Someone else, lift your hand. I won't embarrass you. I promise you could put it down. Amen. I see that hand. Someone else. Someone else. Amen. Amen. Would you all pray this prayer with me? Say, just say, Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful that you came and took on flesh walked as a man, died, and rose again that I could be saved. So I accept your gift of salvation. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Isn't God good this, this morning? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, just before we stand, hang on just one moment. I'm going to ask the, the ministry team to come, those that come up front to pray. If you raised your hand 
uh, for salvation, or if you didn't and you'd still say, is there still time? There's always time. I want you guys to come. Just come right now. And, and you know what? They're going to stand up here. You come up. If you raised your hand or didn't, come up. Let them minister to you. If you have need of prayer of any kind, come on up. Let them minister to you. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for listening to the Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.